Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The games and Com Sports Station. Second hour of three here for me on our extended Chiefs post game. 50 hours straight of local coverage. Celebrating the end of the 50-year Super Bowl drought here in Kansas City as our Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. First time since January of 1970. So I am excited as a lifelong Chiefs fan. I know that you, the listener as well, are excited. Everyone here is excited. Binks currently in the newsroom right now. Doing prep for his four-hour show he's going to be doing from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. It's going to be him and Crane Dog uh, as they will pick up where I leave off at 10 p.m. Then uh, Dusty Likens, Nick Price from Out of Bounds. They will take you from 2 a.m. to 5.58 a.m. before Fesco, Kling, and Ryan take over with Fesco in the morning. So make sure you keep it locked. Make sure you... uh, Turn us on on your radio or on the uh, radio.com app. And uh, you listen to us throughout the night. I know I did last night. Uh, I was really excited to continue to hear more uh, Chiefs coverage as I got my five hours of sleep last night before I had to go to my day job this morning. So uh, I'm actually looking. I'm gonna, As soon as I get home, I'm going to pass out because I am dead tired. I, did, I went the bink route and I had two energy drinks before I got on the air because I needed it. So I am emotionally drained right now and, and very mentally drained. So. But it's all worth it because getting to talk about my Kansas City Chiefs, your Kansas City Chiefs, going to their third Super Bowl in uh, franchise history and hoping to take home their second Lombardi trophy. I am really, really excited for this. I want to get into one of the big stories from last night's postgame as the very vaunted star from the Chiefs defense, Frank Clark. He cut a professional wrestling promo after that game. He actually cut a couple couple of them. Uh, I mean, these are, it's amazing sound. Uh, the first one is what we got from Fesco. Fesco caught up with Frank Clark, and he, I mean, Frank got into it. How about that today, man? What, what, what's going through your mind right now? Nah, I'm a champion. That's all that matters. You know, I said it uh, a few days ago that, you know, I wasn't going to let that happen. We put a mindset in our whole defense that we weren't going to let them run the ball on us. We knew the only way they was going to win the game was run the ball. The quarterback not good enough to win the game passing, and we exposed all that. Anytime you run for 80 yards, you call yourself the leading running back. They call themselves, they hype uh, Henry up and do all this for him, man. Say what they're going to do to us. Say we're the 26th-ranked defense in the league, and all we do is continue to prove to them who the baddest on the planet are. You shut him down today. How did you guys do that? Because we're the baddest mother on the planet. Now you got one more in you to win it for Andy. How important is it to win for Andy? It's more important to win that for our owner, Clark Hunt Trophy. 
We're going to win it for, uh, I said more important. Sorry, scratch that. I got what you it's, mean, it's, man. Man, it's more important just for us as the team, not just for Andy as a coach. No disrespect, but for the team. All that matters is the team, and that's all we've been thriving on all season is the team. Team first, everything else second. And you were hurt, man, like the beginning of the year, week 11, you finally get healthy and get out here. How much is it like redemption for you to go, I knew I could go out there and play like that? Because I know I am. I know what I'm capable of doing. At the end of the day, I told him. After week six, I told him what was going on with my body. My body was breaking down. I didn't know what was going on, you know. You just pray everything goes right. You know, I go out, get checked by doctors. My doctors tell me I shouldn't even play for the rest of the season. They tell me I need to get surgery, stop playing, before I hurt something, you know, down the road for a longer term. At the end of the day, man, I trusted my doctors here at the Chiefs. I trusted everything that was telling me. Like I said, Rick Buckholder, the greatest staff on the planet. They told me I was able to do it. They, I trusted them. Man, they put me on a great plan, and I come out here and I finish probably, hey, some would say one of the best second halves of the season you can ever play in 10 games. I asked Ty the same thing I'll ask you again. How good's that quarterback, man? You said Pat Mahomes? Yeah. MVP Pat? You said the illest motherfucker walking. Pat Mahomes? Come on, man. Pat, we trust. Like I said from day one, Pat Mah when Pat Mahomes your quarterback, you don't have no worries, no fears, no doubt. As a defense, all you got to do is step up on your own and win the game. Pat Mahomes, man, our quarter, what's quarterback rating? What he was at 365 yards rushing, 300 yards passing. That's 365 yards, 130 um, quarterback rating, no interceptions. I think three or four touchdowns. Come on, man. I drop every staff for Pat Mahomes if I have to. Pat Mahomes, greatest quarterback in the world. Don't add me. I love that audio. I love how bold he was with how he was talking about the the Titans, how he was talking about the Chiefs defense. I absolutely that's that's my favorite. I think that that might be my favorite like promo that uh, we have heard from any of these Chiefs players in any post game situation. That is amazing audio. And then uh, James Palmer from NFL Network. He also caught up with uh, with with uh, Frank Clark after the game. Here's what he had to say to to James Palmer in his post game comments. Two games in each game, 70 yards, over 200 yards each game. I know damn well we want to win the game. We let that happen. They come in here, he ran for 70 yards. They call him the best rushing league. We're sitting in this home early. I posted the comments that you said to me, and all over social media, everybody said you better watch your back, and you're saying things that you can't catch. Everybody on social media said they must not know who I am yet. They're going to find out sooner or later when I got that ring on my finger. At the end of the day, we champions AFC that trophy that got my own the last name on it that KC that KC ain't no fall off last year jump off sides all that I told him when I got here there's no change look at the best go join I love Frank Clark the great thing about that audio is like if Justin Houston or if D Ford would have been in that situation they wouldn't have had that passion that he had like, that's why I love Frank. I'll tell you this, and I will admit to this, I did not like that trade when they first made it. Not because I didn't think he was going to be a good player, but because I didn't think that they would he would ever be able to live up to the cost that they spent to get him. Because usually teams do not go out and they, they spend a bunch of draft picks to get a guy that they're immediately then going to have to sign to a long-term deal. A lot of times in the NFL when that happens, it does not work out. And so it was a very risky move, and I'm like, I don't know if you could do that, especially because at the time, we were still questioning Brett Veach as a general manager. Still a lot of question marks, especially after the way they handled 
the the 2018 situation. So I will very transparent. I will admit that I have my questions about it, and I was very wrong, and I'm happy I'm wrong about it because the presence of that man here in Kansas City and, and, and amongst others has really changed the fortunes of Kansas City football. And and it, the great thing about how Frank Clark's attitude is is that he firmly believes everything he says. That's one of the things that people who are diabolical trash talker, talkers will, will do is that a lot of times they talk stuff to hype themselves up. They don't quite believe. They have some doubt. So they say those things to kind of back themselves into a corner so they have to perform well. Otherwise, you're going to face ridicule. Frank Clark didn't give a damn. Frank Clark really believes everything he says. And when he came out on Saturday and pretty much said, yeah, we're not afraid of Derrick Henry. He ain't even that good of a, of a running back at breaking tackles. He needs to run harder. I mean, especially considering what what Derrick Henry's reputation was, what he had done in the final eight games of the season, the fact that he had destroyed the Chiefs' defense back during Week 10 in Nashville, and the fact that he came out and had the audacity to say that, and then he backed it up. That defense backed it up. I mean, they were putting lids on Derrick Henry the entire game. Derrick Henry went from averaging 8.2 yards per carry week 10 against the Chiefs to 3.6, almost 3.7 yards per carry. That is a drastic change. And that's for a defense that was much maligned in its ability to stop the run. Uh, you know, you've seen all the stats. 26th in the league at stopping the as far as uh rushing yards allowed. I think I, I was I think it was um Pro Football Outsiders, um, DVOA stat for rushing defense. I think they were like the second worst in football. Like they were definitely bottom five, but I think they were second worst in football at at, uh, at run, running defense DVOA. And still, not only did they go out and, and put hats on Carlos Hyde, who was talking that trash back in week six, but then they came back in the divisional round, I mean, in the in the championship game, and they were able to get on Henry, and Henry wasn't uh, Henry wasn't talking trash. Henry's not; he's a very soft-spoken individual. But a lot of media members were were talking about how the Chiefs were going to struggle to put lids on Derrick Henry. I, all I heard was uh, the Chiefs' defense, man. They're gonna they're not going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. He's going to get his. So it's about whether or not the that Patrick Mahomes can do his magic, and whether or not Ryan Tannehill can get his. It was a foregone conclusion by so many people that Derrick Henry was going to run through this defense. And the fact that Frank Clark had the belief and the pride in this defense to go out there and say, yeah, that's not happening again, that's what this team needed. Because we weren't getting that last year. Last year, we were getting guys on this team that were just cool with getting their stats. We were cool with getting 13 sacks, but you line up offsides on a on a game-clinching play, and we end up missing out on a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You know, you got a guy who, you know, is scheduled to make $20 million, you know, over $20 million his final year, final year in his contract, and he's had injury issues. He's had issues staying healthy throughout the last few years of his career, and he took it personal that the team decided, yeah, we don't know if we want to pay you $20 million a year when you can't stay healthy. 
you have you have guys like that that were very much worried about their own personal situation and worried about the team. And the fact that Frank was like, no, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be a vocal leader, and I'm going to change the out the uh, the mindset of this team. That's something you got to respect, and it's the reason why the you know more than what he did on the field from just a play standpoint with his own personal performance, his ability to change the culture and to really believe in these guys and believe that not only am I going to back it up, but T Sizzle, Naughty, Saunders. That Mike Pinnell, all those guys on the front line, Hitchens and Damian Wilson, all those guys, Dirty Dan playing in the middle of the, of the defense, those guys are going to come up there and they're going to back it up. That The fact that Honey Badger is going to come in and put lids on, on Derrick Henry and he'll back it up too. The trust that he had to say that stuff and then the defense went out and backed it up, that's something that is really, really hard to find in the NFL and you've got to give him a lot of credit for having the the guts to say that on the eve of the championship game and then back it up on the field. That's not something we find a whole lot, and there are very few guys in the NFL that really go out and do that, and it really pays off for them. Coming up next, we'll continue to take your calls, 913-576-7610. You can also text in 69306 on the uh, Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer text line. Plus, we will also talk about Andy Reid, and if it re- if he right now has his legacy set up for him to potentially make the Hall of Fame, we'll talk about that next. Continuing the coverage, 50 hours straight for 50 years. Hey, you better put that Raiders hat down, bro. Uh, we got Crane Dog over here. Running around, running around in his Raiders head. Hey, he hasn't earned the nickname back yet. It's just Kramer. No, no, no. We, I, we, I, I established this yesterday. Bink you know is I'm not. Chiefs on this, I was Chiefs. I hate the 49ers. Really? Oh, yeah, because you're a Raiders fan. Um, but you can't take. I, I told this. I'm, I'm gonna have to talk about this with Bink. I told Bink this yesterday. You can't take a dude's nickname away just because of some silly thing like a like candy bars. Bink you can't take a dude's about it, man. Yeah, he was really serious. Bars. What was that? Say that again, Kramer. They're getting the candy bars back. Today, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We're getting. We're actually going to taste test them on air. Yeah, That's I, I did. We look forward to ten o'clock. Yeah, I saw the. Uh, I saw the photos of it online. <laughs> but yeah, Bink tried to take away Kramer's nickname because he didn't tell him about some candy bars being gone from our little vending machine area we have. So it was a little ridiculous. And I, I said you can't take his nickname away because you didn't create it. So uh, make sure you listen to that. They're going to try these candy bars at, I guess, 10 p.m. here on 610 Sports Radio uh, as we as Bink will be on from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. as we continue our coverage, 50 straight hours of lo- live and local programming as we celebrate the Chiefs' 50-year Super Bowl drought ending now. And in 13 days, they will be playing and fighting for that Lombardi Trophy, their second in the team's history. I want to... Talk about um, Andy Reid here real quick before we get to some calls. Um, Andy Reid has really kind of, I think he's been treated a little unfairly by media and by a lot of fans. Andy Reid gained this legacy when he was in Philadelphia about being a coach who could win a lot of regular season games, but he couldn't win the big one. And you saw that when in his one Super Bowl that, that he coached in, his Eagles team, even though that score was only it was 24-21, it was a three-point game, 
you watched that game and you knew that the Eagles had no chance of winning that game against that Patriots team. They were outmatched. Patriots defense was great. Tom Brady was awesome. And and even though they got that late touchdown to make it a three-point game, you knew at that point it was it was a little too late. But if you look at the way that this team is built now, they are built the way that Andy Reid has always wanted his dream teams to play. He has a quarterback that does things that no other quarterback he has ever had can do. He has a quarterback that will take the reins of this offense and carry them to championships, carry them to big wins, do things that you've never seen done before. He's never had that before, not with Donovan McNabb, even though McNabb was a pretty damn good quarterback, and he certainly was really entertaining to watch during his time with Philadelphia. Um, obviously, with, with, uh, with Alex Smith, Alex did some fun things, but he certainly was not this quarterback that was a consistent great playmaker. He's very much the game manager that we've had here in Kansas City for a long time. Vic, for a very short amount of time, he was really entertaining to watch when he was in Philly. And now you've got Mahomes. Now you've got the the true king, the true quarterback to fit what Andy Reid wants to do. And not only that, but Andy Reid was trying to evolve the times when he first came to Kansas City. He did something that a lot of coaches don't do. He completely changed his system. And he went from just running a regular-ass West Coast offense to hiring a guy to teach him how to run the spread offense. And he started using more college-based concepts. And that's the reason why. And you saw this in 2017 when when that year the offense for the Chiefs all of a sudden just had this great comeuppance. And it was because they were running those schemes that Andy would be, had been looking to try to implement whenever he finds his, his dream quarterback. And basically Alex Smith spent all of 2017 playtesting the Patrick Mahomes offense. That was all he did the entire year. And then you saw it in action in 2018. They put up video game numbers. It was crazy. It was so much fun to watch. I still love going on YouTube and watching the recaps of those games and all those amazing throws that Mahomes made. And so he's got himself in a great position now to win a championship for the first time in his career. He's in the second Super Bowl berth uh, in his career. And on top of that, he now is in his second Super Bowl in in as many conferences because he obviously won the NFC Championship uh, and went to the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Now he's in the AFC Championship with the Chiefs. And so when you look at his resume and you you think about the likelihood that he gets into the Hall of Fame, I don't think he needs to win a Super Bowl to get in. Here's Therese Paler talking about Andy Reid's chances right now of getting in to the Hall of Fame. It makes his it makes his career. I mean, honestly, he is well thought of enough around the league. Like I was doing a little canvassing a little recently with other Hall of Fame. You know, he might he might get in the Hall of Fame anyway, now that he's made it twice. I mean, we there is a there is a roadmap to make the Hall of Fame without a Super Bowl title as a head coach. Like he's just thought enough as a team builder. As a winner, somebody that's built multiple organizations, um, somebody whose coaching tree is ridiculously yep. large, someone who's brought the game forward with his play calling, and so like he's well, and then actually just a good person. He's made enough friends. I actually think it can happen anyway. But if he wins the Super Bowl, there's no, there's nothing you can say about him. 
every little knack you've had against Reed, whether it's game management, doesn't come up big in big games, fatal flaw here, he won a Super Bowl, beat it, right? Like, it's the same number of Super Bowls Jimmy Johnson won, right? Bill Cowher, who just got in. It's the same number of, I'm sorry, not Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cowher. Same number of Super Bowls that Bill Cowher won, right? Like, it's the same. It's the same. So, for Andy to get, and he won't make this about him now. Andy's been doing this long enough to know. We're going to ask him, yeah, Andy, what does it mean to you? To, he'll be like, yeah, you know, it's about all these other people, right? But but please know all the people around him who love him really, really, really want this for him. And we see that. I've, I don't think I've ever heard any former player, any former coach of his have anything bad to say about him. He, as a person in the NFL, has a Hall of Fame legacy. And if you look at the way that he has helped change this game, the way that he has helped usher in the the pass-first offense, because if you remember 15 years ago, watching those Donovan McNabb teams with with um, Brian Westbrook, and, and you saw them implement offenses that we are seeing today here in Kansas City. We are seeing them run pass-first offenses where he's throwing a lot to the running back. He's throwing the ball down the field to speeds to receivers. You know, we saw that happen, and we saw him implement this, and it's completely changed how the NFL is being, is you know, how teams are being built today and how the game is being played today. And you're seeing more teams now implement college-style offenses, or at least to a certain extent, maybe not their full offenses like that, but certainly a significant portion of that, especially their passing game, is built that way. Teams are more comfortable now running these college styles, running these spread formations. And a lot of it has to do with how he uh, implemented his offense when he was in Philadelphia. And the legacy that he has with the winning that he has, we've, we know that it works. The fact that he was able to go to so many consecutive NFC championships, then when he comes to Kansas City, he takes a frame, he takes a team that was picking first in the draft. Dra- I mean, it's a terrible draft, mind you. Takes a, a left tackle because that was the, really the best option, and he turns the team around into a playoff team. And now, then they were in. A, I mean, obviously that that playoff run ended terribly because of the defense. But since he's taken over with the team, he's only missed the playoffs once, and now he's been in two straight. AFC Championship games, and he's won his second. He's he's won uh, in the second attempt, and now he's in the Super Bowl. To me, you look at his winning percentage. You look at the fact that he, he he's continuously in the playoffs. He doesn't have that Super Bowl ring. Doesn't have that Lombardi. But if you look at the legacy that he has had with how he's how he's uh, coached, with the legacy that his players have had, how many other successful coaches that he has helped groom in the league. I think he already has a Hall of Fame legacy. This is just the guarantee. This is a guarantee situation if he wins 13 days from now and brings home his first uh, Super Bowl championship. That, to me, would just cement it. But I already think if it was me, I think he gets in for damn sure. Uh, You can call in. You can weigh in on anything. Chiefs related, 913-576-7610. Clayton is in Yates Center. Clayton, you are on the radio. Hey, man. Hey, for starters, you need to take some rest and uh, get rested up like Chris Jones did. So we're good for Super Bowl weekend. Oh, I will. I will later this week. We we need you on there uh, reporting on the air. Hey, first time caller to the air of anything, anywhere. 
Um, is it okay to make a try to throw out a couple things here real quick? Yeah, yeah. Um, not this is going back, but I guess it's a question. But like Alex Smith, he threw out numbers. I I love Mahomes. He's better than Alex Smith ever was, you yeah. know, it, and everything. But we don't want to underrate our quarterbacks of the past. Alex Smith, I think, put out considerable numbers. I'm not a you know a big numbers guy. I don't watch it. I watch the Chiefs every weekend. Um, that's one thing I wanted to throw out there. Um, I know you're going to comment as soon as I get off the air. Yeah. You kick me off. <laughs> but uh, next thing uh, is, uh, yeah, we've got uh, Clark out there, and uh, I love his enthusiasm as you do as do you, but profound or profanity C- come on man let's uh let's make this a little more professional and uh i i know sometimes it's it's great to you know use curse words or something but we can we can be more professional about it as a team we've already lost a couple guys due to some bad guy or you know bad things uh over the last couple of years bout lost hill we we lost Hunt, you know, you know, just little little bitty things. I don't mean to bring those out right now, uh, but just one of those deals. Yeah, thanks for the call, Clayton. First off, I I certainly think we can have respect for what Alex Smith did, just in that vacuum of him being a stabilizing force for a franchise that was absolutely terrible at the quarterback for many years. I mean, we know what happened during the Herm years where we had the back end of of Trent Green's prime and he was struggling after the concussion. And, you know, we had we had Damon Hewitt out there playing quarterback. And there were times where he looked good and there were times where he looked bad. We had the Brody Croyle years or, you know, the attempt at the Brody Croyle years because he couldn't stay healthy. Um, we... Certainly, we can look at at the the quarterback situation before Alex, and we could put put a little re- respect on his name because he stabilized that position, and he was a guy that we could look at and be like, yeah, we can make the playoffs with him. And if you're just cool with making the playoffs, I'm fine with you liking Alex. But like, if you really wanted to win a championship, like I wanted to, I know a lot of Chiefs fans around this fandom wanted to win a championship we knew that we needed something better than Alex like to me Alex Smith was the rebound after you get out of a really bad relationship but it's just a fling it ain't the long term it fix you're not marrying that chick it's just a rebound after you get out that terrible relationship and you're just like okay I, I need to you know get some wins here let me get some short passes here get some momentum get my completion percentage exactly <laughs> where, you'll get my confidence level up and then I'm gonna start I'm gonna start throwing it down the field that to me is what Alex Smith was like Alex Smith was the stabilizing force but he obviously was not the long-term answer he's not the one you put the ring on like that to me was and that's the reason why I didn't like when they extended him so but you know again they hadn't found that quarterback yet and they finally did with Mahomes and they were aggressive in getting him in a way that they were not before when they were looking at maybe maybe Manziel uh we definitely know that they were looking at Paxton Lynch though you know hindsight 2020 we're glad his ass didn't end up here in Kansas City so I I certainly think that we can put some respect on his name 
but we can also understand that Alex Smith was not our forever quarterback. And we can understand that. We can say thank you for your time here, Alex, but we got to move on to something better. In regards to the whole Frank Clark thing, this is entertainment to me. This is just, these guys are having fun. I know some people don't like that. And if you don't like that, that's cool. That's cool with me. Like, I'm not going to judge you for not liking that. But to me, it showed a passion and a confidence that we have not seen here in Kansas City from our star players in a while. Like, during the early stages of Andy's tenure here, the important thing was about building confidence and championship swagger. We didn't have that even last year with the, with that defense. Those players were good, but they didn't have swagger. And you may not like what, what Frank had to say, but what Frank had to say was the damn truth. And I love a guy who is not only good at what they do, but they are passionate about what they do. And he did everything he possibly could to deliver a championship, to try and deliver a championship here in Kansas City. You saw it last week when we didn't have Chris Jones, and they were we were asking ourselves, how the hell are they going to get pressure on Deshaun Watson without Chris Jones, who led the lead, who led the team in sacks this year? And Frank took it upon himself to get three sacks and to constantly badger and pressure and harass Deshaun Watson. I will take that passion. I'll take that energy any day. It's not a one-for-one, one, but it's kind of reminiscent of, like, Conor McGregor. Where yes. It's like, I'm the man. Yes. I just showed you I'm the man. I proved it. You said I wouldn't, and I did it. Here I am. Yeah, and and also another another good example would be Floyd Mayweather, too. And you All those may, guys, great entertainers. Yeah, and you're like, you don't have to like his personality. Like, that's fine. You don't have to like his personality. But at the end of the day, you got to respect the swagger that he has and the confidence that he has and the passion he has to win for this city. Because that, to me, was the most evident thing that I saw there. This was a man that loved playing for the Seahawks. He loved playing in Seattle. He had a lot of interest outside of football that he really loved. He was actually, I, I remember listening to, um, he was on um, one of the podcasts that the Chiefs were doing. Maybe it was uh, it was um, camp, some Camp Stories thing or whatever where a lot of the new players were talking with BJ Kissel. And he was on there talking about how he was a little sad about being traded to Kansas City initially because he had done so much charity work in Seattle trying to help out with the homeless issue there because he himself, when he was when he was a child, at one point was homeless. And he did a lot of work to try to help out the homeless situation there. And certainly that's one of the things that here in Kansas City he's 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 definitely been involved with. And it's because he he's a very passionate person and he really loved uh doing things like that outside of football. And that's one of the things I grew that gave me a lot of respect for him because he when he loves something, you can tell he loves it. And I got a lot of respect for what Frank Clark was able to do in you know on the field, but off the field as well. And so you you don't have you don't have to like all the things that he says, and maybe the you know all the cursing and whatnot makes you uncomfortable. But you got to respect the hustle, and you got to respect the passion he has because that kind of attitude delivers championships, and that's what we need here in Kansas City. Coming up next, we'll continue to take your calls on the. Uh, uh, phone line 913-576-7610. You can also text in on the uh, Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, which is 69306. 
and also we will get to the immaculate play that was Patrick Mahomes' touchdown run, and I'll tell you why. It was a play that we'll be talking about for many years to come. That's next. Second and 10 as that Tennessee defense drops back. As long as try to make a diving and tipped and Mahomes who tiptoes inside the 10. Still not down. Oh, what a run out of this world. Touchdown, Kansas City. That is courtesy of CBS. Does that amazing, beautiful touchdown run from our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. When he made this play, it was funny because I was watching and like pretty much throughout the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes has been able to utilize the most underrated part of his game. And it's funny because like teams respect his ability to run because you saw that in in the Titans game and in the Texans game, defensive coordinators would, would have a spy back there on occasion so that they could try to see if they could contain him for his running ability. But for some reason, it didn't do anything. And he was still able to either throw the ball down the field or take off. And, um, you know, this past Sunday, yesterday, he led, the, he led the team in rushing with 53 rushing yards. And this run right here, it's going to go down as one of the uh, legendary plays, I think, in his career. And certainly one of the greatest plays that we've seen from a, a quarterback of Mahomes uh, playing type, uh, you know, his his playing style because he's not really known as a runner. He is He's actually a pretty good one. He's not a fast runner because, you know, I think he ran like a 4.840 when he was in the draft. So he's not a fast runner, but he is an effective one when he actually uses his mobility. Um, and we've seen him go out there and take chunks out of the defense with his, with his running ability. So certainly defenses have to put some respect on his mobility. Uh, here is Patrick Mahomes talking about that touchdown run in post game. Yeah, they're playing a, kind of a version of two man with a, or kind of eleven double, I guess you would say, where they were kind of doubling with Tyreek and the speed, and then Kelsey, uh, obviously with the things he did last week. And so uh, when, when them playing like that, uh, they, they, the line kind of got them all put back in the D lineman all kind of together in the line. So I, I broke it. I was thinking about just running out of bounds, and as I got to the sideline, I realized that I could cut up, and I was running down the sideline. And I knew we had two timeouts, so I was like, I might as well try to cut it back. And so I cut it back, and luckily was able to hang on to the ball and get in the end zone. Did he tell you he wanted you to slide? No, he, he didn't. I mean, I think that's the best thing about playing with Coach Reed. Playing for Coach Reed is that he he lets you be who you are. He lets you go out there and and really play the way that you want to play as long as it's uh, according to the guidelines of how to play the quarterback position. He lets you be who you are. Patrick, take us to the beginning of that drive. It's first and 10 on the 14, and you're going to walk in and try to score. And what were you thinking at that point of, you know, just putting the ball in your hands in each and every play? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously any two-minute situation, we always talk about start with the completion. So we wanted to get a completion, get the drive going. Uh, I thought Damian did a good job of getting upfield but also getting out of bounds, kind of just conserve time. And as we as we moved down the field, we we realized that we had a chance that we wanted to take some shots in the end zone, and uh, uh, we luckily got, got to get in there. That was a very Michael Jordan-like performance from our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Like, one of the things that we have heard, if you've ever listened to the Therese Paylor show, which you should, it's a very great program. Uh, you can actually listen to the 
today's edition, tonight's edition, which came on before me on the uh, podcast page, 610sports.com or on the radio.com app. Uh, really great program. And one of the things he constantly talks about in regards to Patrick Mahomes is him having a quote-unquote over-my-dead-body game. And when you watch Mahomes in these big games, he will always have one of those moments that's very Jordan-like. It's very MJ-like, where he's like, okay, this is a very unlikely and probable play that I'm going to have to make, but this is a play that I have to make in order for us to be able to uh, increase our chances of winning this game. And that's really what you saw in that play. He rolls out to his left, does a little stutter step like he's going to he's gonna fake one of these lines, which I can't believe the lineman fell for that because, I mean, come on now, you're not dealing with Lamar Jackson, so why would you fall for that little stutter step he did? So he takes off to, uh, up the sidelines, and then I'm thinking he's going to duck out right around maybe the 10 or so so that they can stop the clock and then maybe get a couple shots at the end zone before they get to the half. That's not what happened. He decided, you know what? I'm going to put the team on my back. He cuts inside, takes some of the contact, spins out of it, and as a guy is clinging to him and trying to prevent him from getting the end zone, he just does this desperation dive, and he gets in the end zone and gives the Chiefs the lead as they are about to go into half. That is one of those performances that you see in these games, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy really, really wants to win more than anything, and he's willing to do whatever the hell he has to to do it. Much in the same way you saw that amazing throw he had to Tyreek Hill against the Ravens last year during the regular season, the no-look pass, the left-handed throw to, to Tyreek Hill, uh, all those amazing throws he makes where he's like near the, the, uh, near the line of scrimmage and he has to throw across his body or pitch it or whatever. I mean... It was a very Michael Jordan-like performance with what he did because you're seeing him do things that you didn't think you would ever see a football player do, and he's doing them when he absolutely must make a play in order for them to to stay on the on course for their goal to win. You've got to have a lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes for doing stuff like that because it is not something that we have seen here in Kansas City in a very, very long time, uh, you know, Alex Smith is a prime example. He didn't make those kind of plays very often. So the fact that he would go out of his way to make that kind of play and and do it in a way where he didn't make a business decision, he understood, hey, if I get hurt, I mean, we're, we're ruining our chances of winning a Super Bowl. Man, I got so much respect for, for Patrick Mahomes for putting his body on the line and making the kind of play that they needed to in order to gain momentum. Because when they scored that touchdown, I knew it, and I'm pretty sure you, the listener at home, knew it as well. When they scored that touchdown to go up 21-17, to you knew that it was done. You knew, especially with the Chiefs getting the ball back at the beginning of the second half, the momentum at that point was completely shifted in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. The defense was starting to get some confidence because they had gotten that big stop to keep the Titans from going back up by a couple scores. I'm telling you, that right there was the play that that was the dagger right there. And I'm pretty and it was funny cuz I was actually going on to the um I was actually going on I actually went on to the Music City Miracles page, which is the SB Nation version of Arrowhead Pride for the Titans, and I looked through their game thread. 
after after that run, Titans the Titans fans knew it was over. Titans fans knew it was done in that thread as soon as he made that that run and scored that touchdown. They knew it was over. It was the most hilarious thing. I was waiting. I mean, they were a little wary about after that second touchdown to Tyreek. But when he made that run, it was F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. They knew it. They knew it was over, and it was hilarious. It's such a big play to go up instead of being tied at halftime. Yes. It, it's a dagger moment, and it's still the first half. Such a, a giant momentum swing. Yeah, it was, a, it was a huge momentum swing, and it said a lot about where the where that game was going at that point. So much respect to Patrick for making that play. We'll continue to take your calls, 913-576-7610. Plus, you can also text in on the uh, Smitty's Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, which is 69306. We'll continue hearing from you next. Back in here, wrapping up the second hour of my time here on the uh, 50 hours for 50 years as we celebrate the Chiefs ending their 50-year Super Bowl drought. Want to get to a quick call here before we... uh, get to our final break of the hour and then start our final hour before Bink gets on here at 10 as he continues the live and local coverage. Neil in Lone Jack. Neil, you are now on the air. How's it going, Neil? Hey, Chris. Good to see you. Good to hear from you, brother. Yeah. I just want to say, first and foremost, um, I appreciate whoever's idea it was to do this 50 hours of straight coverage. Pretty sure it's Specs' idea. idea. Is it it Specter? Yeah, pretty sure it's Specter. Well, good for you, Spectre. And, and just to all the personalities through, across the board, I want to say thank you for your dedication. I'm sure plenty of people that work overnight and never get a chance to call you guys are super stoked about you being on the air all night instead of listening to Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> um, I like how you're doing the show tonight. I like how you're taking each segment and talking at a different point. I, I appreciate that. I think you're doing a good job. I agree with you about Clark. I think Clark deserves a lot of credit for hiring Andy Reid, for listening to the fans after that disastrous season that we had and banners were flying, and he took the bull by the horns and he did what he had to do in hiring Andy. And then this year, early in the year, the you know, standing up and saying what he expects to get to the Super Bowl and nothing else, and winning the Super Bowl and nothing else will be acceptable and and then just stepping back and letting everybody do their job it's been a great it's been a great season all around you talked earlier about the myth about uh us our cursed our cursed history and i think you know early on in patrick's career like after week three or four of last year i think it was evident that that was going to end it was going to come to an end and now that we are on the precipice of our first of hopefully multiple Super Bowl titles with this kid. It's just such a satisfying feeling. Yesterday was the greatest day at Arrowhead in the history of Arrowhead, and it's just a phenomenal time to be a Chiefs fan. I want to give a shout-out to my friend J-Dog. I want to say the last couple segments were great because they led right into a couple of my points. That guy was talking about Frank Clark. I'm glad you have your opinion. You don't like the cursing. I get that. Me personally, I thought his rant was bleeping epic. He was awesome. Patrick's run, they were talking about it earlier today on on the drive, um, um, C-Dot and the boys. And I got to say, 
I think it was one of the most accurate plays in the history of his career to this point. Um, the no look, the fourth down play against Baltimore, of course, the left-handed pass against Denver. But I'm gonna—I gotta say though, I think from this game yesterday, I will just as fondly probably remember Sammy's touchdown just as fondly as Patrick's run because Patrick's run was epic, but Sammy's touchdown 100% sealed the deal. Going up by 18 points at that point of the game, that was. I mean, it was it was the end of the game, absolutely by far. I know you said you were looking at, at the Titans, um, you know, the music theory miracle page, and how they were all like, <laughs> "It's over, it's over, yeah. it's over." And yeah, I felt that too. I think everybody did. But at the same time, that Sammy touchdown absolutely one hundred percent sealed the deal. Lastly, I think I appreciate you letting me take so much time. Um, quick thoughts, initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. I think it's very similar to yesterday's game. I think we stopped the run. We stopped Mostert. I think Garoppolo cannot beat us. I I, I, th- I know he's made more plays than Tannehill, and he's probably a better quarterback than Tannehill. But hands down, I think if the if the game is in his hands, we got it. We got it covered, and we're taking home our first Super Bowl in 50 years. And I cannot wait. Thanks for taking my call, Chris. Have a good day, man. Yeah, you too, Neil. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. If the hand, if the ball is in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo, I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to to get the points that he needs to beat this chief this Chiefs team. Like that's the strength of this Chiefs team is their pass defense. Their pass rush is awesome. They finished eleventh in the league in sacks, but they would have been it would have been more if not for Frank Clark having his injury issues throughout the season and Chris Jones having his injury issues throughout the season and also us losing Okafor and Ogba, you know, at the times that we did. If this pass rush would have been healthy the entirety of the season, I think we would have seen them finish pretty close to the top five because that's how effective they are. And you especially saw that in that Titans game. So thanks for the call, Neil. Uh, if you want to get in on this, 913-576-7610, you can also text in on the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, which is 69306. I got to get to a break here, but coming up next, I want to get into Tyron Matthews' impact. I think that he is the most important player on this team not named Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you why next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.